this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. There is just one week left in the National Lacrosse League regular season, and there's still two playoff spots to be decided. The Las Vegas Desert Dogs are an actual thing now, and their GM and head coach Sean Williams will join us, plus thumbs up, thumbs down, and box bets. All that more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! First NFL goal! Sam Clare makes it 2-1. as they spread the floor. Shot clock down to nine. Knight driving in, missed wide. The follow-up scores! Ryan Smith again. Here's Georgia Warfare. Let's see if Brendan Bomberry gets involved as he sets the screen while Thompson flips and Miles Thompson does it again. His fourth tonight. Putting on a show for the fam. Their playoff hopes have officially been dashed. Thanks to Georgia's win tonight. But they will not go quietly. Church, backhanders, scores! Come on, Bobby! What a goal from Church! Absolute filth! Storis on the defensive effort. Thompson whizzes that across towards the crease and the low shots in! What a goal by Bushi! That's a hat trick from Chris Bushi tonight. Halifax back up by two. It's hard to believe, but there is just one week left in the National Lacrosse League regular season. Welcome back to the show, everybody. He is Pat Gregor at P Greggy. I am Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast and on Instagram at. OTCB podcast. We have a lot to get to, but the news of the week broke on Tuesday. Coming in hot, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs have a name, a logo, color scheme, and a head coach and GM, the wizard Sean Williams. Um, Patty, what's going on, my man? Not too much, buddy. I mean, it's hard not to start with that that breaking news that kind of came in. And what an absolute curveball the Vegas uh, social team has been throwing at everyone with the right. coming in hot thing. Everyone just assumed that it had nothing to do with just the viral TikTok song that you hear uh, and had to think maybe it had to do with fire or something with heat. 
Mm-hmm. Instead, it's the desert dog, which still is hot. The desert is hot. So a little bit of correlation. I love it, though. I absolutely love the name, love the logo. Uh, but my favorite thing of this all is the hire mm. of Sean Williams as head coach and general manager. Uh, the desert dogs have their pack leader, and I think he's going to be a good one for this franchise. Uh, I was teammates with Willie back in Rochester. I, my stupid brain can't remember if we were teammates <laughs> in or not, but um, just an, an unreal leader both on and off the floor. And and when he was with Colorado, I think the guys really took to him uh, as their O coach. And he just – guys just like playing for him. And he doesn't truly have a lot of experience behind a bench, but he has a wealth of knowledge from being on the floor in some of the biggest moments – in National Lacrosse League history, and I think he's just going to do an incredible job. We're going to hear from him uh, later on the show. We got a chance to chat with him on Tuesday, you know, right after the announcement had been made. So just uh, an unreal conversation with a, with a fantastic gentleman who, who's been through a lot, and he kind of talks about the path that he took to get here uh, with everything that went along with, with losing his son Tucker and how that has spurred him on to this position. So we'll hear from all that. But when I heard the name desert dogs, I think I've like a lot of people kind of thought about the Arizona sting color scheme and that tan and red and maybe a little greenish, but they go black and white. And some people think, you know, you're in Vegas, you got to pop, you got to have some sizzle. You got to be bright lights. I don't hate the fact that they just kept it super duper simple and clean so that when they do have, you know, a black and white jersey or whatever they end up doing, that it probably will pop without all the, the lights and glamour. It's clean. It's it's mean. It's dark. It's mysterious. And that's kind of like the side of Las Vegas. They're kind of leaning into right it's not the yeah. flash and the glitz and I, I don't know i i really like it and i understand you know calgary just switched their colors to black white and and gray but i think it's going to be different and i think if they can really pull it together and i think they will just based on how simple the logo is mm-hmm. i think they're going to go super simple with the jerseys and all black all white it'll look clean the darks will be super mean super tough the whites will be fast, clean. I like it, man. I absolutely like it. it it's, it's so far they've hit it out of, out of the ballpark. But the big thing for me is the jerseys that will slowly come, but yeah. um, a little bit of an unorthodox way of announcing things. Um, they did announce it on, on spit and chicklets, which yeah. the podcast dropped late, late, or I guess early Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, so unless you were listening to the podcast, then, um, but that's also another cool thing, right? Like yeah. they, one of the biggest sports podcasts in the world. Um, you know, Wayne Gretzky's on the podcast and he dropped the name. He actually didn't even know what the yeah, name was. Know. But <laughs> you didn't even know. Um, really cool. They do have, uh, to quote um, a longtime great song, uh, they do have the shape of an L on their forehead in their logo. <laughs> um, but it is actually the LV uh, on his forehead. But um yeah, I like it. It's it incorporated the LV, incorporated lacrosse sticks. It just it, it's sharp, it's clean. I really like it. I'm looking forward to seeing how they roll out the rest of it. If if their social media leading up to this is going to be anything like your after this is going to be anything like leading up to this. I think 
they're going to be in good shape. Uh, obviously, we don't know staff. That will come probably after the season ends, once Willie can start to talk to some of those coaches and people that he has in mind. Um, there are a lot of options out there, and it will be very interesting to see who kind of gets a bump um, from their current job to being in Vegas. And I'm interested to see what kind of staff Willie drums up. But that's for like six months from now. <laughs> yeah, have to focus on the now, and oh, yeah. that is the fact that we have a super Saturday of seven lacrosse games this weekend, the most the NLL has ever had on one single day, and we still have two playoff spots to confirm. And the fact that Panther City still has some sort of banana lands chance to get into the postseason and not have a crossover is just nuts but it will lead up to an absolutely fantastic final weekend in the antelope it's perfect i was when i first saw it's like oh seven games all on the same day like oh man like i i, I wish they kind of spread it through the last week so we could savor and everything but at the same time why not in the most chaotic year that we've <laughs> seen the nll yeah. Why don't we have just more chaos and end at the same time and games playing at the same time, people scoreboard checking, do, you know, calculators out, trying to figure out, okay, now does this team have to do this, this and that? And man, just uh, shout out to Evan Schemenauer, who's done a great job mm-hmm. uh, with the lacrosse flash, giving us updates week by week of the playoff scenarios. And you can go check that out at lacrosseflash.com right now. It's up there, but crazy that they're still in the hunt. Um, you know, first place in the West, still oh. up for grabs. All uh, three teams all- that are in the playoffs, Calgary, San Diego, and Colorado, can finish in any form of first, second, and third. Yeah. It's and bananas, dude. I love it. And yes, okay, you look at the East, the top two spots are solidified, but after that, still up for grabs as well. We still have, you know, a win in your in-game. Uh, what would, before we get into that today, I think oh. we do have some housekeeping. Before okay. We- we do that. So as we've introduced, you know, we talk about it. We're always focusing on the Ford, but we got to look back before we go. So we have our new segment, thumbs up, thumbs down. We kind of had a hard time finding some thumbs down. We had a bunch yeah. of thumbs ups. It was a great week. Tough to find the thumbs down, but let's focus on the positives. I think you and I had the same one. I ended up switching mine, but I'll let you go first because you saw it firsthand. What a special night for Jeff Shatler. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And and I was kind of wondering, uh, with it being the Rush's last home game of the season and his most likely last game in Saskatchewan, would they do something for him? And we didn't really get told if there was, you know, going to be a delay in the starts of the game, if there was going to be ceremonies. But, you know, then they put out the tribute video. Then they brought him up and, and presented him with a jersey. And that was great. You know, Shats kind of had that look on his face that Dan Dawson had on his face when they were presenting him with his, you know, momentous um, jersey and and painting picture when he broke the record for most games played. But once the game started and and Shatler scored, I think the second goal for him, and he was just instrumental in everything that they did that night. And he was playing old school Jeff Shatler just all over the floor. And then, you know, Chantel interviews him after the game and Brad and I are up in the box in Sastel. And I noticed that all the guys are like to their right 
and they've got um, a bucket full of water bottles. I'm thinking, what are they doing? I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, the concerts, they're doing a post-game concert. Maybe they're just staying hydrated. They're all going to stay on the floor. Well, then they all start kind of looping behind Shats and Chantel. I'm like, oh, no. They're going to get him. This is going to be awesome. I'm like, oh, no, but Chantel's going to get soaking wet. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Chantel. And as it's happening, and she was out of there like a cheetah. Like, yeah. she got out of there so fast. But it was just unbelievable. And then, of course, Mark Matthews. Right, right in the chat's face with a beer, and but it was just you could just tell you know the fans were chanting "Thank you, Shats." It was just an incredible moment. His two boys came on the floor, and and there were some incredible pictures, but just uh, an incredible ambassador for our game, both on and off the floor, and what he does mm-hmm. in the community, and what he does for the indigenous community, and what he's been doing for the lacrosse community in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan just exemplifies what kind of person and role model Jeff Shatler is. And you look through his career, uh, originally drafted by Buffalo, gets traded to Calgary, wins transition player of the year and MVP in the same year. A few years later, he, he gets flipped to the rush. He wins championship MVP. Everyone remembers that iconic photograph, him with the helmet on and the beer and the post-game <laughs> celebration. He will go down as arguably one of the best players and one of the best Indigenous players our game has ever seen. And it really is a shame that we won't be able to get to see him do it anymore. I don't know if he'll play in their final game against Panther City. Um, It would be awesome if he did. But I think the way that he just went out at home this past weekend was a wonderful send-off. And a fabulous, fabulous career for number 77, Jeff Shatler, who we can all unanimously say thank you to. So huge thumbs up to Jeff Shatler and an unbelievable storied National Lacrosse League career. First ballot Hall of Famer. 100%. Teddy, I, I honestly couldn't say it better myself so I won't add too too much there uh, because you perfectly said it but he really just does epitomize what a lacrosse player is all about yeah sure there's guys who probably put up bigger numbers there's guys that maybe have a couple more trophies on their mantle than him although he does still have some some good numbers and some good trophies as well but it's the hard nose it's the fact that when he played his best lacrosse it was in the biggest games he's a big time player you know He's a guy that played transition. He could play out the back door. He could play out the front door. Just an electric personality on and off the floor. Um, he's going to be missed, but mm-hmm. we're going to be reminded of, of him in a couple of years when he is on that ballot and he's voted into the Hall of Fame. And, hey, guess what, lacrosse world? He's not going anywhere because he's going to continue to grow the game, like you mm-hmm. said, especially you know in Saskatchewan um, and, and with the Indigenous, which is probably the most impactful thing uh, about his career is how much he's done for that community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, your thumbs up. My thumbs up, and it shouldn't come as a surprise, but my <laughs> thumbs up is for the Halifax Thunderbirds getting back on track, especially on offense. They finally looked like a confident group that we've been seeing earlier in the season. They scored 16 goals. Um, you know, Austin Shanks looks like he had his swagger back five goals, eight points. Uh, and, and yes. Okay. You know what? They give up 13, but it's against a very good New York team 
that is a different team than the last time when they, you know, only allowed Jeff uh, T to put up a couple of points. And um, mm. sure, you know what? A little bit concerning that they start Aaron Bold and go away from who's supposed to be their franchise goalie in Warren Hill. And yeah, the defense doesn't look great, but you can't just expect them to switch, you know, turn the switch in one game, right? But they fit. Yeah. It looks like the offense has its confidence back. We'll see if they go with Bold, or if they're going to give Warren Hill a chance. Whoever they go with, um, hopefully the defense can kind of slow things down and help them out because, um, as we know, man, um, you can go as far as your goaltender will take you. And right now, I guess you could say that's been one thing that Halifax has been missing since the start of the season. Um, even in that middle point of the season when Bold got that game against Vancouver, you could say, wow, they have two guys that look sharp and can go at any moment. Not so much right now, but they still have one more game against Rochester. Uh, maybe that's a get right game. And all the sky is falling and the panic button that was happening earlier on, in, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that's in their back pocket and they're going to hit their stride uh, at the right time heading into the postseason. Yeah, we were talking a couple weeks ago how crazy this game would have been if Halifax still hadn't clinched that playoff spot. Yeah. They were going into Rochester to take on the, the team in the city that they kind of left. Uh, that's out of the way is Halifax has now clinched a playoff spot with that win over New York. But, you know, if you're Micah Kersey, you're around that team quite a bit. Are, are you going bold? Or are you going back to war? I honestly don't know. And I don't even know if, if Micah Kersey knows at this point. I, I think I don't know if this was just maybe a wake up call for, for Warren Hill saying, you know, right now we just we need a win here. And maybe they trust Bolt a little bit more. Maybe it was a little bit of strategy. I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, Bolt still got the job done. It's not like he played yeah. terrible, um, but it's not the goaltending that you need uh, to go on a championship run, especially when you're playing in the first round the Toronto rock who are the hottest team in the NLL right now. And then if you get past the rock, you're playing the most electric offense in the NLL in the Buffalo bandit. So the defense has to be better. The goaltending has to be better. Now who is going to be in between the pipes? That's a question that Micah Kersey, I think is the only one that knows. And like I said, I don't even know if he knows right now. Um, I know you're not Evan Schemenauer, but if Confirmed. Georgia wins their game, against Philadelphia and gets to 10 and seven or 10 and eight and Halifax somehow loses to Rochester and falls to 10 and eight. Georgia has the tiebreaker. Is that not correct with two wins? They split. Oh, they did split. Okay. Okay. They did. Split. So, I, so. I, so there might be a chance that Halifax falls to four. Yes, there is a chance. It, it's, which is crazy. I, which is absolutely nuts, which is absolutely nuts. And it would take away from an incredible first round game between Toronto and Halifax, which would be Certainly. outstanding for, you know, all those in Canada that would be able to watch it possibly on TSN. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But then again, a Halifax Buffalo game yeah, uh, wouldn't true. be too shabby either. Yeah. And George and Toronto's played yeah, some pretty good games as well. But I know from a Canadian content standpoint, um, I think, TSN certainly would much prefer Toronto v Halifax. Or maybe, spicy take, maybe they'd rather those two teams not meet in the first round and have their fingers crossed that they meet 
in the East Conference Finals. Oh, now you're putting the tinfoil hat on, maybe. See? Um, all right, let's move on here. Uh, thumbs down. Uh, I'll start. Uh, we'll go back to Saskatchewan. The San Diego Seals have dropped six straight, and they cannot find a win for the life of them. This team was nine and two, Patty. Crazy. Cruising Crazy. in the West. And they've put up big numbers. They've lost. They've put up poor numbers. They've lost. They've done everything and anything to try and find a win. And this is a team I like, I, I was around them a bit this past week and they don't seem like they're at odds with each other. There doesn't seem to be any infighting or anything like that. There is still a lot of belief and a lot of trust and a lot of faith in that room. But I think outsiders are starting to lose faith in the San Diego seals. And the fact that they now have a massive game against the Vancouver warriors this past weekend uh, a win and they get a home game, but a loss and they'll basically be going all the way down to third and not having a home game and having to go on the road to either Calgary or Colorado. And it's just, it's been wild to see a team that looks so dominant and has looked so dominant at times, just being in an absolute downward spiral spiral. And I know it's causing Pat Merrill to have sleepless nights and it can't make anybody happy in that locker room. And they now have one game to reset and refocus and come away with a big win because a loss and they go from nine and two to nine and nine and lose out in a home game. And that is just something that nobody ever thought. So thumbs down to the seals who can't find a win, but I still have faith that they can write this shit. Perfectly said. So I'll get into my thumbs down. And it's another blown opportunity. And it's for a team that you see the seals sputtering. And Calgary can't find a way to beat Rochester. I know it's on the road. I know it's a tough travel on a Friday. But let's be honest. This is an inferior team. I know they're a team that's playing spoiler and they're a team that has not given up and they won't give up till the, that final game. But Calgary, the way they've been playing, the way they've been playing defensively, the way that Christian Del Bianco, he just did not look like himself. The defense looked nothing like themselves. The offense looked completely out of sync. And yeah, for a game weird. that's not really, I wouldn't say it wasn't a must win, uh, but a game that you certainly would love to win especially later on that that evening or that weekend, San Diego losing again. Mm-hmm. It was such a missed opportunity to just keep the fire on the heels of both teams you're chasing, Colorado yeah. and San Diego. Now you drop a game that you absolutely on your calendar had circled as a win. It just looked like a team that maybe was reading the clippings and a team that kind of just took a team – took a game for advantage and the way that they have been playing over the past few weeks and the way that Kurt Miloski coaches, you never see a team that Kurt Miloski coaches come into a game like that. It was just very, very bizarre. But with that being said, it's fine. They can still, 
you know, they could still catch that first place by, by chance. They could still get home floor advantage with the second spot. It's fine. It's just a huge blown, blown opportunity. And like we said, there were so much positives. We could have had like five, six different thumbs up. We tr- yeah. It was really hard to find thumbs down um, because this is a thumbs down. But with a win this weekend, that thumbs going right back up. Um, honorable mention thumbs up, Joel Watson. Um, yes. For a guy that's sort of been thrown to the fire with the injuries to uh, Ryland Hartley. And the, the struggle bus that he was on for the first five minutes of that first game that he's played for him to finally get a win in a moment like this at home, just uh, outstanding. I'm so happy for the young man uh, to get that win. And, and he was talking with Susie cool after the game, just how much it meant to him and the organization. So um, honorable mention thumbs up to Joel Watson, uh, who's been in a tough spot and, and has been sort of in between the pipes from, a lot of this losing streak and for him to get that win, just absolutely fantastic. And, and who knows, maybe it spurs them on to, to another win uh, in their final game of the season. So that's thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, everybody has one game left. Super Saturday is upon us. We will get to that. But the big news of the week, Sean Williams has been named head coach and general manager down in Las Vegas. They have a name. They have a, color scheme they are the desert dogs and this is sean williams right here on the off the crossbar podcast the big news of the week as we head into week 22 of the national crossing is that the las vegas desert dogs are an actual thing they have a name they have colors and they also have a head coach and a general manager he joins us on the show you all might know him hall of famer sean williams willie how are you my man very good thanks fellas thanks for having me um, all right, well, let's start off with the obvious. Uh, what are your thoughts on the name, logo, and colors of your new team? Absolutely. It, uh, love it. Love all everything about it. Uh, nice and clean. Uh, you know, I love the desert dog uh, pack mentality. It's uh, definitely, as a coach, you're always looking for that little something to get your uh, team going, and uh, that's an easy one, right? Uh, that blue-collar, dirty desert dog we can uh, all strive to be like and uh, scrap, scrap it out on the, on the turf. Um, obviously, the the Vegas team has been hyping this up for for a little while, and and they've been kind of getting everybody excited for this announcement. But when did the ball start rolling for you in these conversations that you would be the leader of the pack for this organization? Yeah, I was uh, went back to um, late late last year. Um, you know, I kind of reached out. Uh, I think September was my first contact, and then it uh, it was a couple month process till. Uh, they finally uh, gave me the nod. So I've just been kind of, uh, you know, just doing my thing and uh, waiting for this to happen. Like, who, who were those conversations with? Because I don't think a lot of people know behind the scenes who's sort of involved. But, you know, who who was the one to reach out with you and, and who were those conversations with? Yeah, it was uh, – so Mark Fine, he's our CEO. Uh, he came over from uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And then uh, I just met with uh, – you know, uh, some guys from uh, Josiah Sports, and that's how uh, that's how it uh, kind of evolved. You know, I think uh, a lot of those guys that they're still with the Nets as well, and working on uh, both sides of uh, you know now they're a lot more into lacrosse. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely it was a lot of Brooklyn Nets uh, flavor. <laughs> 
How important was uh, getting the general manager and head coach job for you? Or was that kind of just you reached out and then it became an option that you're going to be able to have both hats there? Yeah, to be quite honest, it was uh, I was just reaching out to be a head coach. Um, you know, I asked uh, Selfer and Coyle permission to, uh, you know, to put my name in the in the ring for a uh, head coaching job. As uh, you know, obviously with Colorado, we were, uh, you know, looking to have a really good season and, and as they are. And uh, so it was a tough to, to ask. Uh, but you know what? I said, OK, if we're going to go for that, then I, I found out they were hiring general managers at the time. And uh, so I just kind of, I said, you know, I definitely still want to coach. Um, I want to be in the trenches with the players, but if it's a possibility, you know, can we, can we make it a GM head coach and uh, a position and they, they obliged and they, they let me interview uh, with the two titles. When and how excited or just to say how excited or, you know, the, the challenge, how excited are you for, not only getting your first head coaching position in the NL, but you're also going to be able to get your first stab at GM. But at the same time, do you think that maybe makes things uh, not easier per se, but now you know that you'll have your hands on this organization and on this first team that goes out on the floor in Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it comes with a lot of emotions, right? That, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy to learn all the, all the tricks of the trade. Um, you know, the, Picking the players is uh, is tough enough job, but you know managing um, you know the front office stuff as well. So I'm uh, you know I've reached out to a lot of uh, uh, colleagues and uh, lots of obviously we know how the lacrosse world works and everybody is uh, very uh, very into helping out uh, newcomers as like myself and uh, so that's been that's been a, a blessing. Uh, but yeah, but very excited to obviously have uh, an actual you know a real say in uh, how we're forming this team. And, uh, you know, once I pick uh, some staff and, uh, you know, we can get really down to how we want to shape this up. What did you learn about your, your coaching style in that short stint with the Mammoth and, and what changes maybe you need to make to, to become a, a, a better head coach? Uh, you know what? It's uh, I think we, you just always evolve and you always learn from other people and uh, having the opportunity to coach with, uh, you know, Pat and Brider, and you, you, you obviously you take a little bit of everything, whoever you uh, cross paths with and, uh, you know, love Pat's approach, uh, you know, just that, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, it was always a more quiet bench and, uh, you know, I've been on all court kinds of benches and, uh, but uh, Pat's approach was uh, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a player's coach and I, I still pride myself that, uh, that I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys. And, uh, you know, you, you, you guide them and, and it's, it's their job to do it on the floor and they just, you're there to, to manage and, uh, you know, and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you, you add your little bit of a spin once you see something on the fly and that's a, that's a big part of the job, but, uh, you know, having the boys, uh, prepared and, and ready to battle is, uh, is obviously your number one priority. And I thought, uh, you know, working with Colorado, that Pat did a, did a great job with that and, uh, took a lot, took a lot with me with coaching from it with him. You mentioned being a player's coach and one guy that's given a lot of credit for his success, especially this year, uh, is Ryan Lee. He said you instilled a lot of confidence in him and he said a big reason why he's having a breakout season this year or even last year uh, was just the relationship you had. I know you're not with the organization anymore, but how excited are you to see that now Ryan Lee has flourished into one of the top forwards in the NLL? Uh, honestly, it's 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 awesome. And obviously, uh, you know, you're you're 
still a mild fan and uh or maybe a bit more than mild fan um you know it was it was sad that i wasn't not a part of that bench but uh you know glad that i was a part of uh you know building building being a part of the the building of it and uh yeah ryan's uh, unbelievable and you know he's always had that in him and it's just a matter of you know having the opportunity to get it out and you know how, whatever i did and uh you know however i did it but you know it's just kind of uh it was all organic and uh i'm, I'm happy to hear you know that uh he enjoyed his time as a was as having me as a coach, and that's awesome. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching uh, him and the rest of those guys uh, battle through uh, throughout the postseason. When you look back at your career uh, and the coaches that you've had, do you take lessons from all of them? Do you do you try and find you know practice plans or? you know, the Les Bartley style of, of bringing a team together, do you kind of take bits and pieces from everybody? I, I believe you do. I think uh, whether whether I've actually thought about, yeah, this is what he did, but I think you just, mm-hmm. you, you, the evolution of, you know, even as a player, you, you always take things from different guys that you've seen and, you know, growing up and watching different guys and trying to add things to your to your repertoire. And I think we, we all do that as coaches as well. And I've had the huge opportunity to be, you know, coached by a lot of the greats, you know, and uh, including Les. And, uh, you know, he uh, definitely was, uh, you know, one of those kind of guys that just uh, inspiration. We were always playing for the team and uh, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, and then you, you move on at Darius Kilgore, Troy Cordenley, Paul Day for a long time, Eddie Como, even Derek Keenan had a stint with, uh, with Edmonton. And, uh, you know, so all those guys and yeah, they're, they're all legends and hall of famers. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, I got to take a little bit of uh, all those guys and, uh, you know, and put my own spin on how I approach things. And I, but I think it's uh, definitely you, you, you always add little pieces from everybody. At the same time, from watching, you know, San Diego, Philly, Rochester, Panther City, New York come into the league as expansion clubs, they've had varying levels of success. What have you learned from watching those clubs and how they've gone about things? Yeah, you know what, uh, you know, coming in uh first coaching uh with Colorado and that's when San Diego came in and uh you know I thought wow they're you know we <laughs> we had our home opener against them and got uh got the doors blown off us and I was like yeah, obviously really impressive uh it was really impressive how they went about it but they were able to track some high-end free agents and then uh but then you look at the opposite end with the Panther City and uh man they just uh they just scrap it out every game and you know obviously it's slow start and it's not the way you know you you, you want to get started but and they stuck with the plan, and uh, obviously Tracy has those guys uh, believing in uh, in all their principles and the ultimate goal of uh, being that team that competes every night and every shift. And you know, they've had uh, lots of success lately. We obviously don't know who's going to be available in the expand draft. You can kind of have an idea who might be there, but what exactly is the identity that you're trying to build with this team in Las Vegas? I'll be honest with you. It's uh, yeah, it's so you know it's obviously tough and you, you, you kind of go every which way, but loose when you're, when you're watching all the games and it's like, okay, love that guy. love that guy. And you, um, so just putting that puzzle, uh, puzzle piece, pieces of puzzle together. Um, but I, I want guys that truly care, truly care about the game, truly care about uh, their teammates. You know, it's an easy thing to say that those, everyone cares, but you know, deep down some guys, it's just, just like, maybe they don't care as much. And I, I want the guys that, 1000% care about everything they're doing, caring about, you know, all the front office staff caring about 
uh, every, everything that all aspects, all community and getting involved. And uh, that's the biggest part I'm looking for is guys that, that care. In that press release, Mark Fine mentioned uh, you were going to be out and about in the community quite a bit. Um, is there any chance you're relocating to Vegas and going to be a, a local? Yes, that that's definitely the plan. Uh, oh. You know, yeah, it's uh, it was part of uh, part of the interview process was like having a you know beating boots on the ground, and it, you know it took a took a lot of uh, emotional fortitude to uh, to say yes, uh, I'm willing to do that. Uh, you know, and I always go back to you know, Tucker's battle and, uh, what he went through. And then, uh, you know, after he lost his battle and, you know, I basically challenged all of his, his buddies and, uh, and all of our, you know, siblings, friends to say, you know, so what's next, like, what are you going to do? You, you just can't sit still and, uh, you got to keep going. And then I'm like, okay, well, here you go. <laughs> yeah. This is what you've asked every, all, all the young people to do and why can't you do it? Right. So, uh, I think it was definitely, uh, Tucker said, man, let's just, Let's get this done and uh, put your name in the ring. And if you don't get it, fine. But you at least, uh, you know, you, you went for it. And uh, lucky enough, I, I I got it. So now we're at the next phase of like, yes, we we, we got to move down here. And we're we're so excited. Um, the community here it seems to be unbelievable. And you know, rallying around. Look at all the sports coming into Vegas and uh, get a little lacrosse community. We hope that we can uh, start to build on that as well and get everybody introduced to box lacrosse and get some. Uh, young boys and young uh, girls uh, playing our great game. That was sort of going to be my next question. You know, in the last five years, the Golden Knights and the Raiders have kind of taken over Vegas, a, a city that's always loved sports and sports betting but never had a pro team. Uh, it's sort of the now third male sports pro team in the area. How do you guys stand out? You know what? It's just uh, we're going to, I think, just do it organically and just the way that uh, other lacrosse clubs do, I think, uh we got to get just people in the stands and seeing our great game. I think, you know, the easiest and the best way to do that is to, to get our players in, into the community right, like right away. Um, so hopefully once we get our uh, expansion draft done and we'll get some guys uh, into town a ASAP, get some clinics going, get some camps going, introduce everybody to these guys and, uh, you know, start from there. And then, you know, just like all the, uh, the junior NLL experiences going on with a lot of teams where we plan on doing that and uh, being a part of that, uh, that great uh, organization as well. Um, I think it's it's a huge, um, huge thing what, uh, you know, Shaden Santos and U.S. Box Cross is doing, and uh, we definitely want to be a part of that. And I think uh, I think that definitely will help, you know, that uh, the lacrosse community anyway. And then, you know, from there, it, it's uh, putting, a, putting a good show on the turf and, and getting people in the stands and uh, getting them to understand and uh, fall in love with us uh, with our great game. With you guys being an American-based expansion team, and I know you've been down uh, south quite a bit watching Dyson at Duke, have you started to kind of get your eyes on some of those Americans that just play the field game that could turn it into, you know, a diamond in the rough like a Tom Schreiber, a Charlie Bertrand, or someone of that nature? Absolutely. I think it's, um, it's, it's a must for our sport. Um, I think that we're in a great situation to uh, – Hopefully, uh, you know, let some of these young guys uh, flourish and, 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 you know, be a part of growing our game as well as them growing their game. And, um, you know, I think it's it's definitely important. And, I, you know, I you think back to, uh, you know, Teddy was with us in the, in the Nighthawks and we always had a great uh, influx of uh, American-born players. And that 07 team was, uh, you know, we had five or six um, key, <laughs> key guys on our team that were uh, U.S.-born. And so, you know, I, I definitely... 
I've always had that in the back of mind to, to model a team like that. And, you know, all those guys didn't come in and it wasn't easy for them. And uh, you just keep, they kept at it, kept at it. And then, uh, you know, some of them turned out to be all pros. And, but at the end of the day, we were all champions. I've got to ask, because I know the Desert Dogs are playing out of Michelob Ultra Arena. As a loyal Bud Light guy, are you going to be okay with that? <laughs> I, think, I think I might be okay. <laughs> we can, we'll work that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, the when Vegas was announced with Josai being sort of the, the main name, but then they added Wayne Gretzky and Dustin Johnson and Steve Nash. Um, as a guy that's been around this league for, for quite some time, how cool is it to see other pro sport professionals and legends getting involved in the National Cross League? Oh, it's it's obviously it's you know it's amazing and it's uh, huge for for not only our team but our whole you know sport as a whole. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, well, <laughs> hopefully these you know these these gentlemen are going to open a lot of doors for us, and it's then it's it's up to us and our job to. To keep those doors open and hopefully you know maybe open some more doors off of that and uh you know but having those guys a part of that team like what can you say uh, you know they're all champions in their own right and uh hopefully we can uh put a team on that they're proud of and to live up to their standards yeah i know we were kind of dialing it into you know your new job and um you know the, the the new team down in vegas but i think this is the first time you've been on the show since uh, being named to the Hall of Fame. What was that uh, experience like? I know we didn't end up getting the in-person uh, experience, but still got to hear your name being called like that um, to such an honor. It, it must have been fantastic to hear. Uh, absolutely. You know, there's, uh, you know, you looked at that, uh, the ballot they had out. I was like, who, who do you leave off? And it's, uh, so I, just just in that that itself that I was uh, able to get on that ballot was uh, obviously a huge honor to be a part with all those guys, man. It's, uh, and obviously, you know, it's a little icing on the cake to, to get the nod and to go in with, uh, you know, a lot of guys that were my my teammates. Um, really cool stuff. And then, you know, getting a call from Mike French is obviously uh, very, very special. Anytime you get to talk to Mr. French, it's, uh, you know, it's a real cool thing. So what's the next step for, for Sean Williams and the Desert Dogs? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, just uh, – Kind of let the season see where you know the nll is going to end up and uh, get some staff hired and then uh we just get down to uh brass taxes and uh start luck and uh picking our team well it won't be uh, long until you guys are you know in an expansion draft in your first entry draft first training camp first game uh there'll be a lot of excitement a lot of nerves around the whole thing but we are both super thrilled for you willie uh couldn't happen to a better guy so happy for you and the family uh, Vegas will treat you right, I'm sure, but I uh, <laughs> appreciate you giving us some time and best of luck with the Desert Dogs, my man. Hey, absolutely. I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me and it was, uh, you know, thanks for everything. All right, that's Sean Williams of the Desert Dogs. And if you were Sean Williams, who would you go after to be along your side on the bench? Oh, God. Put me I know we're real on the hot seat up. here. Jeez. I mean, there's so many good options out there. And I just don't know if there's certain guys that you're able to pry away from mm. from benches. Like I think an, I think everyone's thinking like, you know, Steve Toll is a a, a perfect candidate for that bench um, you know, they're best friends. They've coached together in minor lacrosse before. Uh, but with that being said, like, uh, 
does does Steve Toll want to leave the situation yeah. that he's in in Panther City right now with how much momentum they've built up? So I don't know. I really don't know. That's a tough question, and that's something that I think I'd ha- actually have to sit down and, and give great thought to. I know he probably has a handful of candidates that he'd like to go for. Is there someone that you kind of have your no, eyes I, on? Or There were rumors when the Vegas announcement was originally made and I don't remember where I heard this from, but the rumor that I had heard way back when was that Brody was going to retire, he was going to get the GM job, and Shooter was going to come with him. And I don't know how that plays out, obviously. Uh, Obviously, there's connections with San Diego and Vegas, but I I, I don't know if, like, it's a lateral move, you know what I mean, to go from one OC job to another, and it's not like it hasn't happened before, but, you know, William Shooter would probably be an incredible tandem. But I know, you know, Shooter seems fairly happy in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look down the line of guys that are maybe film coaches or scouts that are out there that, that might get a look. Maybe Willie goes completely rogue and finds someone that hasn't been behind a bench before. So, uh, it'll be interesting, you know. Mate, does he call up Jeff McComb and say, "Hey, Jeff, you've been an incredible OC for your entire career under Derek Keenan. Maybe come join me in Vegas. Who knows?" So um, I think there's a lot of options out there. I know that he and uh, that Vegas organization will do their proper due diligence. Um, they won't rush this. Uh, and I think they're going to make sure that they get the right guys because as we've seen with every other expansion team, you need to be able to hit the ground running mm-hmm. and with a bang. And if you stumble out of the gates, it, it can be detrimental to you. And yes, Panther City has gone on a bit of a win streak here late in the season, but that start of the season where they're losing all those games at home didn't help. And I'm not saying that's on the coaching staff or any of that, but I think for Vegas to have an impact in that market, they need to be a competitive team right out the gate. And that starts with the three men who will be on that bench and the two guys that will be alongside Willie. So I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm excited to see how he handles both roles because that's never an easy job for anybody in the national Cross league um, to come into your first head coaching job and also have the responsibility of being the GM. Pat Merrill's done it in San Diego fairly well. Um, But I remember Paul Day having both roles in Edmonton and he struggled with that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. But uh, as we, you know, heard from Willie, uh, they're doing things the right way and they're not going to shortcut any corners. They're going to make sure they do all their due diligence. and, And I'm super excited to see what's next for this organization, because as you said, you know, they can't really do anything now. They can't start hiring guys. Or maybe some of those non-playoff teams, they might start to interview some of those guys. But I doubt we hear any names until after the season is over and and they start moving towards, you know, looking at the expansion draft and and the entry draft and things like that. And I know he has been watching. And even before when he was a coach with Colorado, he was watching a lot of lacrosse anyways. But I know for a fact he has been watching a ton and a ton of lacrosse and you know there's 
it is a tough job. Let, let's let's be honest. Like I think there are some people who are like, I don't know. I wish maybe he would have went. They would have went with the head coach, you know, and then also hire a general mm-hmm. manager. But I'm he on is that such boat. a. I'm on. And that and, and I and you know what? I, it, it's for me. I think well one, from let's be honest with a financial um, part of it. If you're going to move someone down um, yeah. to live in market you can justify it by being a head coach and a general manager. But the other thing, you know, Willie's a really in tuned, well-connected lacrosse person, whether it's, you know, his previous experience as a player, he's been on a bench before Uh, he has played about a billion years in major series (laughs) lacrosse. He coached junior lacrosse. He watches a ton of division one lacrosse. So he has a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to, you know, being a general manager. And I think he knows that he's going to be busy being a GM. So he's going to make sure you talked about the players that care and are passionate and, and go that next mile. I think he's also going to hire coaches that are going to go the next mile and that are going to be able to coach alongside him and have, you know, that passion and that are going to go that extra mile as well. So like you said, it, it, we're not going to hear from him for a little while, but you better believe he's got his eyes on, on some oh, yeah. staff and personnel already. Week 22 is upon us. The final weekend of the regular season. And I don't know if it was always this way, or if maybe one or two of these games was added late because of COVID but every single team plays and every single team plays on Saturday. Three games at 7 p.m. Eastern, one at 7.30, one at 8.30, one at 9, and one at 10 p.m. Eastern. It is going to be absolutely bananas. And pretty much every single game has significance to at least one of the teams. Yep. New York yep. at Albany. Albany has a chance – to get third they have a chance to get fourth oh no, they can't get there but they have a chance to get fourth and they have a chance for that crossover spot new york is eliminated but as we've seen new york is not an easy team on any given night and albany needs to find a win to go into the playoffs on a continued winning streak as they've won or they lost their last game so they want to get back into the winning column in the last weekend and we know, like, let's be honest. I mean, even Joe Rez said it to you last week on the podcast. Like, they're a team that has come up to the occasion every single time. When they're, they, you know, they take Buffalo to overtime. They beat Halifax twice. Um, you know, they, they are a team that, cons- they, you know, they beat San Diego on the road. They're yeah. a team that, I don't want to say plays up to their level, but when they play top competition, they play to their best abilities when they play some of those lower teams they haven't been quite as successful and i know there is a lot of pressure and it's it's you know an opportunity for them to put themselves in a better spot in the postseason but they need to find that gear and you know joe rez said it we know what we're capable of doing when we put our minds to it and we really kind of buckle down it's just we haven't been able to do that consistently this year well you have one more chance to get it figured out before you get into the postseason and let's be honest you said it new york is a really good team they're a team that is close to being a playoff team 
Um, they're going to give them all that they can. And I think they're a team that's not going to go down without a fight. Uh, Jeff T is now at 103 points uh, on his season. Uh, he's only played 15 games. If he played every game at that pace, he'd have 123 points, would <laughs> absolutely shatter the rookie scoring record, which he's already done. Um, yes, I will eat crow. And when I said that I didn't think he would win rookie of the year, I thought it'd be somebody else. But what an absolutely incredible rookie season by Jeff T. Like, it was just incredible to watch him on a regular basis just make the game look so damn easy. And that's that's his his thing. That's like what yeah. separates him. That's why he is a generational talent. He just does everything so easy. The game slows down for him. Like he just sees the game different mm -hmm. than most players do, if not all players. And he has no panic in him. It, it, it's always so calm, cool, and collected. He's got that killer instinct, and the fact that he's got that, you know, in his first year. Um, it's it's crazy to see what he's going to be able to do uh, for the next few years to come. Uh, so Albany can clinch an Eastern Conference playoff berth with a win versus New York and a Georgia loss. Uh, they can clinch a wild card spot with a Philadelphia loss. And they're eliminated from playoffs with a loss and a Philadelphia win. So even with a loss, there's still hope for the Albany Firewolves, but they would – most assuredly like to win that game and hope Georgia loses and they can get in. Second game of the weekend, Philadelphia at Georgia. As mentioned, uh, Georgia can clinch an Eastern playoff spot with a win. They can clinch a wild card spot with a loss and an Albany loss, and they're eliminated with a loss and an Albany win. But Georgia is starting to play some of their best lacrosse, but Philadelphia is also in this mix as well. This was probably, other than the Colorado-Calgary game and maybe the Toronto-Buffalo game, uh, the biggest game of the weekend just for seedings. Philadelphia, a win at Georgia and an Albany loss, and they are in the playoffs. A win at Georgia and an Albany win at New York, and they get the wild card. If they lose, they are out. So everything is on the line in this game for both these clubs. And for a Philadelphia team that started out of the gates hot. One of the hottest offenses in the league. They've struggled through the midway point of the season in that latter half of the second half of the season. They're starting to find their groove again, but is it too little too late? Well, just the way that Georgia, you know, they looked like they were taking a little dip. Now they're starting to heat up. Miles Thompson's back in the lineup, and despite what, some reports were saying that he didn't look like he, you know, really focused all too well on his fitness while he wasn't there. Well, he looks fine out on the floor. Another big game uh, from Thompson. And yeah, I think it's going to be, if, if Philly loses here, it's going to be like what could have been mm -hmm. and what went wrong with this group for Philly. You got to look at the offense, you know, Higgins was fine in between the, the, the pipes. The defense was was good enough. But Kevin Crowley, 84 points in 17 games. Great season. Mm -hmm. It is a massive drop-off after that. Um, Corey Small, 61 points in 15 games. Matt Rambo, 14 games, 53 points. 
Kamati, 17 games played, 51 points. Ben McIntosh, 15 and, uh, you know, 46. So, yes, listen to those as well. They have had some injury issues here and there, and the consistency maybe played into that, and Crowley was the only guy that has played all 17 games so far. But just looking at the team on paper, they had way too much talent to go on a cold streak like this. And I think Paul Day has recognized that, yes, there's a lot of talent on that unit, but maybe there was just a little bit too much of the same. And they go out and get Jackson, and it adds a spark – but then that spark kind of fizzles out a little bit and they're still unable uh, to throw a different dynamic. So I think this group, if they miss the postseason, and even if they do get into the playoffs and they don't go deep, I think this unit, especially on offense is going to look a lot different next year. hundred uh, percent. Like you can't protect them all. Right. Nope. So you're probably going to lose maybe one of those guys in the expansion draft. Uh, you might lose a guy or two in free agency. So, yeah, I completely agree that uh, this Philadelphia team, the offense especially, will look mighty different come next season. And maybe that's for the good. Maybe they just have too much of a good thing and, and need to kind of relieve some cooks of their duties in a wings uniform. And maybe that shakes things up. Maybe it changed things up. Maybe it frees up their offense a little bit more, Uh, but they got one more game this weekend and they need a win to make their playoff hopes continue to be possible. But the Georgia swarm are in sort of the prime position, a win and they are in that's the easiest route for them. And they're starting to play, you know, like Patty said, starting to play more swarm ish. Miles and Lyles, what had 11 combined points over the weekend, and, and they're starting to find their groove. So don't sleep on the Georgia Swarm, but as we've seen and as we've said over the last month, expect the unexpected. And we might be talking about that about our next game as Halifax goes to Rochester also at 7 p.m. Halifax has clinched a playoff berth, but they can drop to fourth and have to face the Bandits in the first round, which I'm sure nobody really wants to do but this is a big game for the Halifax Thunderbirds and we kind of talked about it off the top are they going to play bold are they going to go back to Warren what's their offense going to look like who's going to be in who's going to be out nobody knows and Mike Kersey probably doesn't even know but if you are the leadership group of that Halifax Thunderbirds this is the biggest game of your season bar none and you have to have your best performance Because if you end up losing this game to Rochester, you lose all that momentum from beating New York last weekend. And the last time we saw Halifax get a victory was against Rochester. And we thought, hey, maybe this is them turning the corner. But then they lose on the road to Calgary and it starts to snowball again. So you're totally right. This is where they need to string a couple of wins together going into the postseason. And it's not just a couple, like, you know, stringing a couple wins together. I think it's going into Rochester and beating the snot out of them. Like going in there and the offense looks great. And the defense, you have Graham Hossack picking guys up and throwing them on the floor. (laughs) You've got Warren Hill or even Aaron Bold, whoever you have in net making Mm -hmm. steady save from the outside and not allowing the sharpshooters that Rochester clearly has. They put up 15 against Del Bianco and Calgary's defense last week. Like we know that Rochester's playing to the whistle 
They're going to play to the very end. They're going to try to battle for that fan base. And for the fan base, it, this game means a little bit more. We know the history between these two franchises. But with all that being said, you mentioned the leadership group. I don't care what the number is. It could be eight and a half. I am hammering the over in Cody Jamison's point total because that building, the history that he's had there, the way that everything kind of unfolded, he is going to want to put on a show and he is going to want even more important for him and for this group, get this team into the postseason on the right foot. And I think he's going to be able to do it. Uh, a win and they will clinch third in the East. The final Eastern game of the weekend goes at 7.30 in Banditland. And oh boy, what a treat. Toronto at Buffalo, the top two teams in the East. They are solidified in their spots. They will both host home games in that first round. But man, what a treat to end the season. Someone who was a little bit of a, a casual lacrosse fan kind of asked me, like, you know, they were looking at the odds at Coolbet and saying, like, you know, this game really doesn't mean much, I guess, right? Like, you know, both teams have already solidified their spot. And, and I said, well, yeah, you're right. But, you know, Dane Smith's, you know, their top player has an opportunity to break his own record for most points in a single season. Toronto wants to keep their momentum going um, and really, you know, solidify themselves as one of the hot teams. Yeah, they don't want to show each other hands, but both these teams know each other so well. Anytime these two teams meet, it doesn't matter which time of the season it is. There, It's always intense. It's always physical. You can't just turn this rivalry off. So I basically said, listen, man, this game is going to be as advertised. It's, it's the Rock. It's the Bandits. They're going to want to send each other messages that there's a good chance they could be playing each other you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals. With that being said, I'd be surprised to see some guys maybe rested. Yeah, there's a possibility. But I think on Buffalo's side – they're going to want Dane to break that point for Oh yeah. And they're going to be, they're going to be filling in the net or trying to, because would Toronto not love to hold Dane Smith to two points and rub it in their face to say that they were able to, you know, stop him from creating history. I certainly yeah. think so. Uh, it's be the third time these two teams have played this year. Uh, the first game, January 8th, uh, Buffalo doubled up Toronto 12-6. And then a few weeks later, uh, on February 12th, Toronto beats Buffalo 12-10. So these two teams are fairly evenly matched. And we all know how well Toronto is playing right now. And Nick Rose is just playing some incredible lacrosse. And mm -hmm. Tom Schreiber is playing at an unreal clip. And that offense is starting to click. Uh, both these two teams are 8-2 and two in their last 10. Toronto's, what, 12-11-2 in their last 12? Like... It's crazy the run that the Toronto Rock are on right now, but the Buffalo Bandits are a different beast, and we all know that they can fill it up. But I think this is going to be an absolute slugfest. Like I know both teams would love to kind of just cruise through this game, get it over with, no injuries, no casualties, no fatalities, but Buffalo and Toronto, no matter what the sport, it will be an absolute war, and I mm -hmm. am here for it. No doubt about that. And it's also at 7.30, so it's a little bit of a stagger. Eh? Mm -hmm. So you, you'll be able to get that in between. I just I wish it was staggered a little bit better. But with that being said, it just breeds into the chaos. 
Give me yeah, all the chaos. You know, Friday, Saturday would be great to split all this up, but whatever. Let's let's go. Put every device you have in front of you. Charge them all at the same time and watch all seven games all at once. Uh, so that's the Eastern port part of the schedule this weekend. Uh, the six West teams get started at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time down in Fort Worth. Saskatchewan taking on Panther City. Uh, both these two teams have been eliminated, but for the rush, they would love to end this season on a four-game winning streak and you know end Panther City's chances at a playoff spot. But more importantly, I think that they want to start the Jimmy Quinlan era on an absolute heater. And I think, having been around this club two of the last three weeks, they are a much different team. And they are incredibly loose. They're having fun. Jimmy Quinlan has brought a breath of fresh air into that organization and I'm excited to see what he can do next year with this group. And I know we all talk about the big three free agents of Corbeil, Rubish, and Dilks and how, you know, they may not have any of them next year. I kind of have a feeling that Derek Keene is not going to let that happen. And that of those three, they may only lose one. And... So with all the talk of this sort of being the end of the dynasty, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a start of the Jimmy Quinlan era that we're seeing. And the way that they played the last three weeks is a completely different Saskatchewan rush team. This is the rush team we all expected, not what we've seen the last 14 games. So... If you're Panther City, you better be ready for a buzzsaw coming into town because the Rush aren't messing around. And I think you nailed it with the way that they finished this. I don't. I think that there is a bad taste in a lot of these guys' mouths. Not saying that you know they want to turn the page and leave. I think the bad taste is, man, we absolutely blew this. Mm-hmm. We absolutely let down our team we let each other down and you know what maybe we can still do this maybe we can keep a few few of these guys here maybe some guys take a little bit of a discount or they only sign a one-year deal rather than signing a bigger bigger ticket and they go back out for one more year and they feel that with Quinlan now it's a new chapter I don't know I tend to agree with you I I never have thought of it that way until you worded it like that. And I think there's a possibility. Now, they're not going to be able to keep everyone. No, Maybe they keep enough of the core intact. They, they can have another kick at the can. And it's more of a retool rather than a rebuild. Yeah. And I obviously, I think the biggest question outside of, you know, the big three free agents, which ones are you going to be able to get back? But what they do in between the pipes, do they continue with Adam Shoot moving forward? Or do they run with Dunkerley? and Lane Rushka, who they got for free, essentially, from Georgia. So uh, that those are sort of the two talking points this offseason for the rush. But I think right now, you continue to ride this little wave of energy through the end of the season and just see what you have and, and try to build that momentum and just show everybody that the rush uh, will not go quietly. There's a lot of pride in that room and in that locker room, and they don't like losing. They've been winning – the West regular season title for the past decade. It's the first year 
that they've missed the playoffs, I think, since moving to Saskatchewan. So uh, what a run, and it's not over yet. It's unfortunate that they won't be in the playoffs. Uh, Georgia ruined that for them last weekend. But this is a team that still has a lot of faith and a lot of belief. Apparently, uh, what we said earlier about Panther City having a chance was completely wrong. Um, I thought they had a very slim chance, but apparently they do not. Uh, Saskatchewan and Panther City uh, are out. So this game, just for pride for both of those clubs. But the big game in the West is the TSN game of the week that starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. Colorado at Calgary, a battle for possibly first, possibly second, possibly third in the National Cross League Western Conference. And these two teams have an incredible history against each other. Usually it's in the playoffs and it's usually Calgary upsetting Colorado in Colorado. And it's usually Dane Dovey scoring in overtime or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> That's not going to happen this year. He ain't there. But there is still a lot of memories and bad memories for the Colorado Mammoth taking on the Calgary Roughnecks. And this would be a perfect opportunity for them to go into Calgary, knock off the Roughnecks, secure home floor throughout the Western playoffs, and really make a statement that they are the best team in the West. But the Roughnecks, despite that loss last weekend, and you mentioned it, whatever, it was a game that didn't mean much. It could have really helped them in their positioning in the West. But if they can just forget about that, focus on what they did during that winning streak in the weeks leading up to it, they're going to be fine. But as much as that Toronto-Buffalo game is going to be war, I think Calgary-Colorado is going to be one as well. You mentioned the history between these two teams and how, for the most part, it's always been Calgary that's had the better uh, of this series. Wouldn't it be pretty poetic that, you know, this Colorado team just seems so much different this year. Mm-hmm. Dylan Ward told us on the podcast is the first time since he's been on this team where they can win in different ways. They've come back from games. They've blown leads and then, you know, end up edging teams out down the stretch. They've still been able to grind teams out, play good defensively and, and, and when the offense isn't working. So wouldn't, wouldn't it be just, the way to kind of say that this is a new mammoth team. This mm-hmm. is a new group. This is a new swagger that they have that, you know what, in when the game means the most against a rivalry down the stretch, they're going to get it done and put an exclamation mark on their season saying they are the best team in the West going into the playoffs. Yeah, it is going to be a fantastic game. It'll be myself, Brad Challenger, Chantel Chand. We'll have the call for you. On TSN is the Mammoth and Roughnecks go toe-to-toe pretty much with, you know, most of first place online. Colorado can clinch the Western Conference title with a win. They can clinch a quarterfinal home game with a San Diego loss. And Calgary can clinch the West with a win and a San Diego loss. And they're in the playoffs with a home game with just a simple win versus Colorado. So, Lots to play for in that game. And then, of course, the final game of the weekend, San Diego at Vancouver. The Warriors eliminated, but the Seals can clinch the regular season Western Conference title with a win and a mammoth loss, and they can clinch with a win or a Calgary loss. So, again, lots to play for, but 
as we've mentioned, this is a San Diego team that is going the complete wrong way. Losers of their last six cannot find a win to save their life. Maybe the only saving grace is we're going up against a Vancouver team that also cannot find a win to save their life. So two teams going the wrong way and both clubs could really use a win. And it's obvious the team that needs the win more is the team that's still in it. Vancouver just spiraling out of control down the stretch. And it's unfortunate because it was such a promising start to the season. They were just unable to put it all together. But then you look at San Diego, they were unbelievable at the start of the year. Everyone, you know, had them pegged, not only just first in the West. A lot of people had them as their number one team in the league or a team mm-hmm. that they felt was a team of destiny. And that certainly the the shine is has rusted off this group. But with teams of destiny, it's always not up and up and up and up. It's up and down. Maybe this is the down. Maybe this is the point where in the storybook finish, this is where they start to climb back up. And maybe they get a big win against Vancouver and guys are able to start to get healthy and they find their confidence again. Uh, Frank Chiliano looks like Frank Chiliano again. The defense kind of regroups and the offense gets back to just being so dynamic. Maybe that's what happens here. Uh, I hope so for their sake, because it will just make for a much, much better playoff race um, if they are able to find that stride, because I think that second or that first round matchup, depending on whoever they play, will be much more intriguing. Um, But I think with the leadership that they have in the locker room, the leadership that they have on the bench, they're going to be able to figure things out, at least for this game and they get back on track. It's going to be a tough journey through the postseason. It It really is. Yeah, it's going to be. I think they can get right. Yeah, I think they can too, but it's not going to be easy because as Brad mentioned on the broadcast last weekend, like that San Diego Saskatchewan game was just a knock them down slugfest. And Mm -hmm. Vancouver may be one of the most physically dominant defensive teams in the NLL. And so for a San Diego club that, that's struggling, going up against a team that's just going to punch you in the mouth and then punch you in the mouth again, uh, it, it might be a tough battle. So that's the final game of the weekend, 10 p.m. Eastern. Again, all 14 teams are playing on Saturday, and there are playoff opportunities available and chances to move up, move down, move in, move out. And we are going to watch it all unfold on Saturday. Um, Quick sidebar. If I told you that the worst road team in the NLL was one in seven, who would you say that is? Hmm. Based on the way that you've asked this question, (laughs) it's someone who's maybe not expected to be bad on the road. I'm going to say, God, I'll just throw it out there. Um, Albany. The Rush. Oh. One in seven on the road this year. Wow. So if you're looking at an area of concern and maybe why they did so well, six and three at home, but one and seven away from Rush Nation and Sastel Arena. That is that is ungood. That is ungood. 
Um, also on good was our box bets last weekend. Let's try to do better. Time now for box bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, guys, time for box bets. And this one is all you. And I am going to ride or die, as I always do. You have no choice. We're in no it choice. to win it. You can find this OTCB parlay at Cool Bets. Just hit the Cool Bet parlay button on the homepage, and you'll be able to find this one here. And I love this. Albany money line against New York. It's a must win for them. They got to win. So all they got to do is win. San Diego, we just talked at nauseum how important it is for them to end the regular season with a win. All they got to do is beat Vancouver. Colorado, plus one and a half against Calgary. We talked about it. It's going to be a dog fight. This is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a one-goal game. Colorado could might maybe even win this game. All we need them to do, don't lose by more than a goal. And then a little wrinkle here. Dane Smith to record over two and a half points against Toronto and break his own record. All of that added up together. You're getting it exclusively at CoolBet at plus 450. If he doesn't get three points, I mean, I he's going to get. I don't know what I will do. Could you imagine if that's the thing that ruins this parlay? <laughs> that, that, that blows our parlay, him not getting three points. That would be the worst beat of all time. That would be <laughs> the worst beat of all time. Um, It would be. Uh, There are. What, three Canadian teams in the playoffs? hmm So there is a chance that we get a Canadian champion. What are the odds of a Canadian champion, though? Right now, it is an even shot on both sides. Yes, minus 110. No, minus 110. So if you want to be a Patriot and you want to bet with your heart... Maybe you take a Canadian team to win at minus 110. Or if you're a trader, and maybe just playing the math here, you take it, no, and you think an American team is going to win. Regardless, you can find that future bet at Cool Bet or some other future bets as well. And heading into the postseason, Teddy, I will tell you, we're going to be working on uh, getting some different props available for games. And even when we get into some series, I can't say yes or no, but there is maybe a chance we might get some series head-to-head props between some players. So keep your eyes close. Yes, keep your eyes close to our socials. Keep your eyes close to CoolBet socials as well, as you'll see all of those potential playoff props unfold. That's another edition of Box Bets brought to you by the fine folks at CoolBet Canada. Um which game do you think will be the best game of the weekend? I am going to take off my East Coast biased hat, and I'm going East to Coast say Pat? East Coast Pat is going to be best coast. Pat, <laughs> <here for a laughs> Thank second. you. 
And I honestly think that Colorado Calgary game is going to be the best game. Um, There are some there, you know, we talked about how Georgia Philly has, you know, a lot, it's a, you know, win and you're in. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, just the way that Calgary really dropped that game and how bad they looked and how Colorado really wants to establish themselves as the top team in the West. I think it's going to be an absolute dog fight. And I think that's going to be an unreal game. Yeah. We're going to be scoreboard watching leading up to that game to figure out who's going to finish where also that San Diego game is going to have major implications as well. So mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of teams watching a lot of scoreboards, just like there's going to be a lot of fans watching a lot of, of devices seven games in week 22 it all starts with a three-pack new york at albany philadelphia at georgia halifax at rochester 7 p.m eastern and it ends with san diego at vancouver at 10 p.m eastern but the big news of the week sean williams is the first ever head coach and gm of the las vegas desert dogs they announced their team name and their team logo and colors We will see more from them as we get closer to next season. But until then, we focus on week 22. He's Pat Greggy. You can find or He's Pat Gregoire. You can find him at P Greggy. You can find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or follow us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again. Enjoy every single game this weekend. If you do go to a game, take a friend. Until next time, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am-